0: Does the pace you live at permit you to truly get to know and love those around you? Jesus, speak to us this morning in your name. Amen. So a couple weeks ago, we started a series. It's called Weird and showed you this uh, graphic. And this is how the graphic plays out. You live here. I live there. All of these um, boxes around the middle one where you and I live... Are our neighbors. And you go a step further. This is your co worker. This might be your aunt. This might be a friend, neighbor, the guy you see, a target. Fill this in with people who you see often. It's people who are in your life. And this is what we've been asking. How many. Of those people, in all those contexts that I just spoke about, how many people's names do you know? Like, how many people can you put first and last name? Like, go deep. Don't just say, I know my cousin's name. No, that's not where I'm going. Like, neighbor? The person you see at the store often? The coworker that's in that other department? Name? Last name? Second part of that is, of these folks, what do you know about them that's pretty relevant? Because you've had a conversation with them. Not a, that's the guy with the beard who drives the black SUV because you can just observe it and keep going. But you've had a conversation. You know he's the guy who works at the hospital with the kids because you've had a conversation with him you know he's the guy who does the workout at the park on those afternoons because you've had a conversation with him. How many folks can you fill that in for in these different contexts? For number three, how many of those folks, neighbors, coworkers, person behind the cash register, people in your life, can you say that you've had a pretty deep conversation with him? Perhaps over a meal, perhaps over a cold beer, perhaps while you're working out, perhaps a walk on a trail. Like you know something pretty intimate about him. Their dad passed away in the war. His brother lives in Montana. His greatest fear in life is blank. Maybe you know what their spiritual beliefs are. And if you're anything like the majority of the people that I've spoken to, very small percentage can answer one. Smaller percentage, two, and three, people are like, I'm just living at 100 miles per hour. I really don't have time for people. And here's why we're asking this. Not so we can feel the burn and run away from it, but so we can feel the burn of this and say, there's something to be done, right? The definition of insanity is what? You keep doing the same thing over and over and you want a different result. So, if we're called... To love God and to love others, but it's not happening, then we've got to make a change in our lives. Right? And the reason why we're calling this series Weird is because it's almost an anomaly for people to say, yeah, I know them pretty well, and they've lived across me for like six months, and I've gotten to know them, and I've spent some time with them, and I've served them, and I left that card on their door when I found out that, you know, this was going on. It's weird. we've got to remember that it works jesus christ says this is how you do life he says above all love god and love others and the question is how are we doing in that department not a condemning question but a man we're we're all wise folks right what do we do about it how do we change it up And we're going to talk a little bit further about does the pace that we're living life at today allow us to have those connections? Here's your title for today's message. If you're taking notes on a car that might be around you or on your smartphone, this is the title, Time Toxin. A verse that everything will revolve around uh, this morning the idea of loving God and love others comes from mark chapter 12 verse 30 and 31 this is what it says you must love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind and all of your strength it covers everything the second is equally as important love your neighbor As yourself, no other commandment is greater than these. So this is how beautiful God's word is. There are 60 plus books in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. And he says of everything that's in there, says you can summarize them. The synopsis, the Cliff Notes version is this. Love God and love others. He's saying this is how you do life. This is the most important aspect of life. There are other beautiful things in life like work and health and hanging out with friends. Those are all beautiful and those are all gifts. But he says above all that, one God and two others. The people who you see every day, the people who you're sitting next to right now. We're going to focus on the second part of this today. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what's love? have to be on the same page on what love is, right? Love according to Jesus, not according to Zell's billboard that says it's a little black box with a bow on top, or not according to Sewell Lexus where it's a Lexus with a big red bow on top. That's not what the biblical definition of love is. Can love be demonstrated through things as that? Of course, But if we're called to love God and to love others, then let's be on the same page. According to him, he's a plumb line, right? This isn't my opinion. Say, hey, I want love today to be about that little feeling in your stomach when you feel like butterflies and really cute and ah, I get a little bit nervous. I'm not the plumb line. The plumb line is God's word. It's what has authority. And according to Jesus, he says that love... His way is putting others beyond and above yourself. Pretty simple, right? It's not easy because we all tend to fend for ourselves because many times we say, if I don't fend for myself, then people will walk over me. Let me put it on pause real quick. People walked all over Jesus. So let's keep cooking. It so says, just put the needs of others before your own. That's true love. If there's an opportunity for me to serve and give and do for someone else. That's true love. According to scripture. One of the obstacles in what we're focusing on today is this, is a time toxin. Love and hurriedness are incompatible. If you're trying to achieve love but you're going one million miles per hour, those two don't mix. It's very difficult. Love always takes time. I would contend that there isn't anybody in this room who would disagree with that. Well, I feel loved because I saw so and so for 82 seconds last year. There's some true love there. That's just unreal. Love and hurryness are incompatible. Love always takes time, and hurried people don't have time. It's just a reality, right? If you're in a hurry and there's always something else for you to do, then you don't have time to waste, right? So what do we do? I would invite all of us to just take a step back to reevaluate what our priorities are. And here's how I would define priorities. Is what we spend most time on or in is probably a priority. What we spend most of our money on and our efforts and our passion, that's probably a priority for you. Again, nothing too complicated. Just pretty simple stuff that I guarantee that everyone in this room understands. But I invite you to take a step back. And if God says to love him and love others, but we see that we really don't know anything about this, 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 or this person, then maybe we don't have time. Maybe we're not making time to do what he's told us to do. There's a guy by the name of Malcolm Gladwell... And he coined a term by, it's called the 10,000 hour rule. And this is what he says. So he did some research and he researched everything from like the Beatles to like Bill Gates. And he found out that a common denominator with people who are successful is that they tend to spend a whole lot of time doing something in order for them to be really good at it. The Beatles played for years and years and years overseas before they were this phenomenon. Bill Gates started programming computers when he was 13 years old and he spent tons and tons and tons of time doing it. And I can give you a whole bunch of other examples. And what he's saying is when you practice something for such a long time, you eventually have the ability to master it. And here's how I want to weave this into what we're talking about today. If Jesus says that the most important thing is to love God and to love others, then the question we must ask ourselves is, how well are we trying to master what he's saying? This isn't Poyo's advice where I'm thinking and looking at you and saying, hey, I think it'd be good if you love your neighbors. Take me out of the equation, please. I'm just communicating. That's my job. How well, how much time are you investing to manage what Jesus Christ is the most important thing in life? Again, pretty simple question. It burns a little bit especially for those of us who say I'm not investing any time in that but don't walk away from the burn. Get close to the burn saying what do I learn in the burn to evolve because if I keep doing the same thing over and over then nothing's going to change. Insanity. I hope to get to know them but I'm not going to change anything in life. Let them come to me. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work like that. We're sitting here today We're listening to it. So Jesus says the most important thing in all of the world is to love God and to love others. We'd be wise, right, to try and master that one thing. There would be some wisdom for us to take a step back. For us to analyze what's in our life right now. And for us to begin to make room for it. So there's a story. And it involves Jesus and two sisters. And Jesus is traveling from town to town. And on the way through a place called Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He gets invited over for dinner to Martha's house and to Mary's house, the two sisters. And one of the sisters is really, really busy getting the place ready, ready for Jesus. Like she's like making the food, and perhaps she's like dusting the floors, and perhaps she's making sure that the water. he washes his, the people, guests wash their hands in before they eat, like the water's clean. Perhaps she's putting something out that will make the place smell nice, and she's extremely busy. And then this happens. One of the sisters, Mary, is actually at the feet of Jesus. While Martha's doing all the stuff She's like sitting there at the feet of Jesus Which is just a way of saying She's listening to him We've got a guest And I'm sitting at his feet And it showed humility Share What you've got to share And Jesus says this When Martha complains To Jesus He says why is Mary sitting there doing nothing Tell her to get her butt up And come and help there are things to clean Things to prepare There are things to do, do, do Here's a response of Jesus Martha, you're worried and upset about too many things Only one thing is important Mary has made the right choice And it will never be taken away from her Jesus is saying Chill out woman You're doing way too much. I'm here. The son of God is sitting in your house. The one who will soon go to a cross and die for the sins of the world. I'm sitting here. And you're too busy going, 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 going. And he says, Mary's doing what she should be doing. She's just sitting here. She's breathing in listening to what I have to share. And that is the one thing, not among the top 10 things that are important. He says, that is the one thing that is most important and it will not be taken away from her. So here's what that means. It means that Jesus is always speaking. This is what it means for us today. Jesus is speaking to you right now and he spoke to you last night and when you're driving here and he speaks to you and he speaks to you and he speaks to us right here. Right here. And when we come close, it's a way of us demonstrating humility. Does that make sense? You have somebody in your life that kind of pours into you once in a while? Some good advice, some love, maybe some tough love sometimes. It's like, wait a minute, I think this view that you've got might be a little bit jacked up, but let's talk about it. Kind of a mentor, a really, really good friend. You have anybody in your life like that? I hope you do, and if not, then it'd be a good thing to be looking for and praying about but here's where I'm going when you allow people to pour into your life it shows some humility on your end and humility is a very good thing my friends because the opposite is I don't need you or anybody's advice because I've got everything in me in order to do everything that I need to do I'm self-sufficient I'm autonomous I don't need you or anybody and a good barometer for that is when somebody does pour into your life you bow up immediately you're like get away Don't you dare tell me how to do life. So that's a good barometer for us. If anybody ever leans in and shares something, especially something tough, and you bow up immediately, the claws come out, it applies for guys and girls, then maybe we've got to walk a little bit closer to the side of humility. Because none of us have it nailed down. None of us. So... In Mary being at the feet of Jesus, she's saying, speak. Because I know you've got the words of life. I want to hear what you've got to say. So here's a takeaway from this. The story is not... I need to emphasize that and underscore it and maybe even do a little bit of this. This story is not about passivity it is not communicating especially to those who are like going really fast and trying to accomplish certain things that's beautiful but please don't say Pollo said that Jesus said that I should just be passive throw my feet up on the desk and just chill through life I'm not saying that and neither is Jesus saying that he's saying this though there are some things in this case one thing That is more important than any other thing. Do you see the difference? There's a huge difference. Don't do anything. Or lean in on the one thing that is most important. What is the one thing that is most important? What does Jesus say? Busyness can lead to missed opportunities. That's what we see in the story. Martha's busy, right? Not doing bad things. Cleaning the home for a guest is not a bad thing. Preparing a meal for a guest is not a bad thing. Making sure the place is spot, that's not a bad thing. And I'm sure that there are many things in your life which are not bad at all. I'm sure there are some great things, some beautiful things. However, when that busyness robs us from an opportunity to do what Jesus says is most important, which is what? Love God and love others, then we're missing opportunities. Jesus says one thing is important. By the way, that, that, that should allow us to like breathe in and feel some freedom that he's not giving us a laundry list of stuff. Go to Barnes & Noble and find a self-help book. That'll give you a laundry list of stuff to do. For wherever you're at in life. You want a date? Go to Barnes & Noble. It'll give you a laundry list of stuff. You want to drop that addiction? Go to Barnes & Noble. It'll give you a laundry list of stuff to do. You want to make an impact and who knows where? They'll give you a laundry list of stuff. And then what happens when the laundry list of stuff results in nothing? Because the book said if you do 1 through 10, you get X. What happens when that fails? And we're on our face even worse than we were before we picked up the book, right? So here's why I'm making that point. Because Jesus says there is one thing that is important. You see the beauty of how Jesus works in our lives? He's saying rest. It's already been given to you. My love and acceptance for you, daughter, it's already been given. What's most important What's most important? He says, love God. He says, love others. And this morning is a great opportunity for us to take a step back. For us to evaluate our lives. And now we go from theory to practice. Three quick things that I would encourage us to Keep in mind, write down, you can apply this in your life today. Make number one, number one. Love God and love others. Make it number one. If we don't know where we're going, we will waver all over the place. When that flag starts to flap in the wind, we'll go towards that one. And when that one looks pretty good, then we'll go that way. But if we don't have a mission, if we don't have a clear understanding of what we were created for, what he wants to do, what the one thing is that is most important, then we'll be like the waves in the sea. Here we go today. Yippee. Here we go tomorrow. woohoo! And we end up with nothing that is important. So, make number one, number one. Love God. Love others. Subtract the non-essentials. Now, this is probably going to be the toughest step for any of us. This is in the reevaluating process. What does my life look like now as far as things to do? There are things that I guarantee we can subtract. But you, I need that on my resume. You don't know perhaps you do and then I'd say that's just an opportunity for us to like weigh it out and say this is what Jesus says this is what my resume says I give more weight to the resume I, it's not my job to convince us or to force us it's the Holy Spirit in here that leads and guide guides there is no checklist from me to say this is what you need to knock out this is what you need to add this is what you take away that's not my job We just get to listen today. If you're here because I invited you personally, maybe one of the things you heard me say is just come and listen. Just open your ears and your heart. My job is not to pound anything down your throat or into your mind. I can't do that. It's not my job. we've got opportunities to pull the trigger to put some action into play maybe you've got to subtract some non-essentials maybe you chat with somebody who's sitting next to you or in front of you and just get some advice open yourself up maybe you and I go grab coffee or something and we chat what do you think about this and the plumb line For answering that is what Jesus says, right? That's a plumb line. Do we spend the rest of our lives being an expert and mastering these things? Or do we spend time on mastering that one thing that he says is more important than others? And number three is make yourself interruptible. Allow yourself to be interruptible. This is... One thing that I've really never been good at, but I've been put in situations, my family and I, where we're learning to be interruptible. When you get that phone call at ten forty-five 45, and you really don't want to pick up, because if you know me, I don't pick up phone calls at all in the first place, which is really bad. But I wonder... If there's a need there, and if I can put the needs of them before myself, maybe the door knock at eleven o'clock at night. We're learning to do that to be interruptible. I'm really not that important that I can't spend some time with you. That's a reality. Allow yourself to be interruptible. Allow some things in your life to be so flexible that you can say, you know what? There's a need there. I'm just going to go meet that need. Because I want to do the one thing that's most important. And the beauty of that is when we chase that one thing that is most important, so that everything else is added. Matthew 6.33 this one thing. Chase that one first. And it's beautiful. Because it says everything else will be added from there. Not a laundry list. Let your boss give you the laundry list. Because that's life. Let the book give you the laundry list. Maybe friends who think the laundry list will work. But Jesus says this one thing. Is how you will flourish in life. Isn't that beautiful? He's given us parameters that we flourish in love God, love others. The fish lives in the water. Why? Because it's a restriction for the fish? No, because the Creator knows where He will flourish. Jesus telling you and I to love God and love others, it's not a restriction. He's not throwing us in a dungeon and feeding us food under the door. He's saying, I know how life works best because I created life. And there's one thing that's important. Love God, love others. And here's how I'll finish up today. The best news out of all of this, for all of us right now is this, is it every single one of us has failed to sit at the feet of Jesus every single one of us has heard his voice in many different occasions and contexts and areas of life and every single one of us has been the Martha I'm too busy for you see ya, my agenda every single one of us it happened this morning for some of us it's happened for a lifetime for some of us but here's the beautiful news you ready? is that though we do that often, he's pursuing us relentlessly with his love. Like this morning he says, I love you and you're my daughter and I'm working on your behalf right now. And you might not see everything that I'm working because we don't. Because he wants us to be at his feet listening. He wants us to be there getting close to the burn. And this is the beautiful news. There is nothing for us to do this morning. We walk away this morning with this message. Today, he's running after you. Today, he wants you to hear him whisper, you are mine and I am well pleased with you. We need to hear that often. Because many times our acceptance is on others. Did I please him? Did I please her? Did I fail that? Does Facebook say I'm in the category that I'm supposed to be? Flip Facebook. Jesus Christ says this morning, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I am well pleased with you. I see righteousness because he sees Jesus in you. That's the beautiful good news. No laundry list from the church guy for you. This is the good news of Jesus that love in motion should put the period on every single message. We breathe in. And there is freedom. Jesus, thank you for exposing your truth to us this morning. Thank you because right now, today, we are loved immensely by you. In your son's name, amen.